And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to Echoes of Calvary, brought to you by Calvary Bible Church. As you get your Bibles, please turn to Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. We must understand the teachings of these verses to obey the Lord into victorious Christian living. And now, with his message for today, is our pastor, Robert Elliott. There is one more verse I want us to see. It's the last verse of our paragraph. It's verse 14. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Sin, also known as the law of sin and death, is the subject of verse 14. Sin, singular, will either be your master or it won't. This is a summary verse. 14 is a summary verse of verses 1 to 13. It's tying a ribbon on the passage, verse 14 is. Sin, singular, also known as the law of sin and death, is the subject of this verse. Sin, singular, will either be your master or it won't. And what makes the difference? Living under law or living under grace. That's makes the difference. How would living under law make sin your master? How would living under law make sin singular your master? By constantly pointing out your sins, that's the job of the law, without providing any remedy for your sins. The law of God is wonderful if you understand what it was given for. The law of God was never designed to provide righteousness. Because no one can keep the law of God all of that 100% of the time. The law of God's very important purpose is to take us by the hand, it says in Galatians, like a pedagogue, like a tutor, to take us by the hand, not to the schoolhouse, but to the cross. To take us by the hand that we need Jesus. That we can't keep the law. That's the law's function. The law is a mirror. It can only point out that our hair's messy. The law as the mirror is not a hairbrush. It can't fix your messy hair. The law in another metaphor is a MRI. It can tell the surgeon what's the problem inside of you, but the law cannot be the scalpel in the surgeon's hand. And so if we put ourselves under law, we are going to know frustration and sins eventually. Law can only point out our sin and our need for a Savior. Law can't cover our sin, pay for our sin, provide us with a Savior. But the grace of God, that's something different. The grace of God gives us Jesus to pay for our sins, plural. And the grace of God gives us the Holy Spirit to overcome the power of sin, singular. After we are saved, The law still reveals sins, plural, and the law of sin and death still works all the while to pull us down into sinning. Both are happening. It's a civil war between inside each Christian. Grace and only grace 
gives us a remedy beyond the law and gives us relief from the downward pull of the law and sin and death. Grace does. Grace is what frees us up from our earth suit's leak, always dominating the flesh. Grace wins, and we live out the win as we reckon aright and as we walk controlled by the Holy Spirit. Look at it this way. Every day, multiple airplanes land at the Nassau airport, and multiple airplanes take off. I want you to picture a plane on the tarmac on the Nassau airport readying to take off. As that plane sits on the tarmac, the law of gravity is pulling the mass of that plane toward the center of the earth. But when the pilot revs the turbine engines and gives it the thrust necessary and the speed necessary and the air flap position and the wings necessary, then the law of aerodynamics overrules the law of gravity. When that plane flies from Nassau to Boston, the law of gravity is still in play. And if the plane stalled out, God forbid, it would be pulled like a stone because the law of gravity is still operative on that airplane. But as long as the engines are right, the air flaps are right, the speed is right, then the law of aerodynamics overturns the operative law of gravity, and they fly. And if you're sitting in seat 7B, you're inside the aircraft, and whatever the aircraft does, you do. If you're in 7B and the aircraft flies, you fly. If you're in Jesus Christ and you are believers, every one of you are in Jesus Christ. Reckon yourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word. Give us minds to understand, minds to believe, and toolboxes to obey. We pray this in Jesus' name and God's people said, Amen. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas Rogers, and I serve the youth pastor at Calvary Bible Church. And today we want to continue on our series on Lifeline and talk about friendships that we need and, and people that we need in our lives. And as we started with last week, the idea is godly friendships help you grow. And as we think of that, we, we have a verse that, in Scripture that we hear all the time. But I ask you a question, do we really apply it? Do we really use it in our lives? Do we use it as a good thing for us? And, and then it's Proverbs 27, verse 17. It says, iron sharpens iron, and one person sharpens another. Again, as we consider this, we need to understand that the context is somebody who's going to be a good person, someone who's going to sharpen another person, someone who's going to encourage them, someone who's going to help them grow closer in their relationship with Christ. Because let's be honest, we have a lot of friends who are going to put us down. We have a lot of people that's going to make us question things. But this is saying that iron sharpens iron. You know, a person sharpens another. And I think so many times in our lives that we surround ourselves with the wrong people. We surround ourselves with people that are going to distract us, people who are going to get in the way of what God has for us. They're going to distract us if we consider what we talked about last week with Mary and Martha. We're going to become like the Martha, and we're going to be that person who 
get so distracted that we miss out. But we need people that's going to help us, that's going to encourage us. You see, there's enough discouragement going around that we don't need friends that's going to do that to us. But we need people that's going to sharpen us, that's going to help us grow closer to God. So I ask you, as you think of your friendships, I ask you these questions. Does your friendship help you grow closer to God? You should have godly friends who, who invite you to discover more about your creator and about God's purpose for your life. You should find people that's going to help you grow as a person. Godly friends should help you see your blind spots and weaknesses and then help you make a change in your life. And thirdly, help you grow in a way to love others. Godly friends should help you turn your focus outward, help draw you out of your comfort zone and help you practice loving others. You see, godly friendships, your friends should do this for you and you should do this for your friends. Again, as we consider that verse, it says, Iron sharpened iron. So you should be a person sharpening someone else as well as someone should be sharpening you. You see, we do life with people. There's no getting away from that. People are all around us. And we need to understand that we need people in our lives. And people are going to encourage you and they're going to sharpen you. But you're going to also have people who are going to discourage you and put you down. So I ask you this. Godly friendships help you grow. So where do you need to grow? Again, as we talked about last week, are you drifting, distracted, or drowning? Do you have the kind of friends who will help you see what you can't see? So you can become who God has called you to be. Maybe you can have some bad habits you wish you could kick and some good habits you wish you could develop. Maybe a friendship or relationship has gotten complicated and you could really use some outside perspective to help you figure out what to do next. Maybe you've been working toward a personal goal for a long time, but now you feel stuck and you could use a push. Or maybe the way you act at church is inconsistent with the way you act everywhere else. You want to be consistent, but you're not sure how to start. You know, one thing I, I would say is in this is this, that you need to find people again that's going to encourage you, that's going to be there for you, that's going to help you to, to sharpen yourself. And a couple of weeks ago, we, we also talked about a verse, Ephesians 5, chapter 1, verse 2, and it talks about how we need to imitate. And I think that we need to understand that these verses are so key as we consider our friendships and we consider what we do. You know, as it said, that therefore be images of God as dearly loved children and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us as a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. You see, we got to be imitators we got, of God. We have to follow and pursue God with everything. People should look at our lives and they should see Christ in us. And that should be what our friendship is all, all about. You see, we need to look at this and we need to ask ourselves that, that we need to say, Hey, how can I become more like Christ? What can I do? Because that is so key for us. You see, as we talked about last week, Martha needed Jesus to throw her a lifeline. So she could see what she wasn't seeing and finally return to the feet of God who loved her. You see, when we care for each other the way Jesus cares for us, we'll learn to throw each other these same lifelines when we need them the most. Remember, godly friendships help us grow. So let's decide to grow in our friendships with God and help each other to do the same. Again, as we think about this whole series, we're talking about lifelines, talking about being that friend. Being that person who we can count on no matter what. 
We all need that person. We all need those people. Because we need people that's going to show us things that are right in our lives to encourage us, but we also need people that are going to show us what's wrong in our lives, not to put us down, but to help us, to sharpen us, to become more like Christ. And I think that that's so key for us. It's so key for us because so many times, and, and, and we think of statistics, we think of the cyber bullying that goes on, and we think of just the bullying that goes on in school, and, and it, it goes so far. And these are people that get so discouraged and that you need to surround yourself. And we, and we see so many more people on, that has mental issues because of, of what's going on, anxiety, stress. And it all has to do with sometimes how the friendships that the friendship that we have, because we're living, we're trying to live a life that we know is not right for us, and we surround ourselves with people that not right for us. So I would challenge you as we consider this, as we close this 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 week, that we would recognize, and we would think of our friends. We would look at each one of them and say, what what type of friend is that person? Is that person a person that's encouraging me, that's helping me become more like Christ, that's sharpening me, or is that a person that pulls me away from Christ? And then we need to look in the mirror and we need to ask ourselves, am I a person that's helping people grow toward Christ, to become more like Him, that I am walking in love, that I am imitating Christ? Because that's what Christ has called us to do, to imitate Him. And He wants us to be like Mary, sitting at the feet and listening to what he has to say to us. This is Pastor Nicholas Minadishin of Utah. And now, today's ministry spotlight. Pleased to have uh, Brother Benny and Sister Lena in the radio studio this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, Brother Benny, um, how many um, times a year would you say that you are serving the Lord outside of America? I make um, at least six to seven international trips. Um, last year, I should say, uh, I was about 180 days out of my home. Mm. So you know what happens when she's there and uh, she's taking care of kids and uh, the family. Yeah. And then um, the year before that, it was 210 days. So wow. it's been always like that. Yeah. Um, as the ministry started growing the demands of traveling started more and more and we have to keep doing that to go back and you know update and talk and share with the churches and uh, so god gave me a life partner who will not complain where are you going why are you going you know uh, or there are people in my church would often joke with her saying that you live like a widow Mm. Uh, but she has been a strong woman of God who uh, kept the family together, uh, made understand the children that this is a priority that God has called them to do. And she has stood with me. I will come home. The next bag is ready to go wherever it is. I remember one time I, I got a call from a pastor friend of mine saying that you're coming to speak to Sierra Leone in a crusade. I said, I never spoke in a crusade. Don't call me. I'm not a preacher. I cannot do that. He said, no, God spoke to me. You're coming. And I said, let me talk to my wife and I'll get back to you. And I hung up the phone and she's saying, why do you have to talk to me? I told you, God calls you. You need to go. I said, mm. I just came back from 
India. I want to just take that excuse that, hey, let me, (laughs) my wife said, you know, you're just back, you're tired, rest. I'm trying to take that cover. Why do you want to just say, she said, no, when God calls you, you need to go. So she had stood in with me. And that's been a great success in my life and ministry that I've seen and never complaining. For example, uh, when my third daughter was born, um, the plan was that she would be, um, a certain day was given that she will be born. I think November, when was that? Uh, Um, She was due. November 8th or something. October. Um, and she was delayed. Yeah, delayed. And I had to go to India and there was a conference. She said, you need to go. I said, no, I need to be here. She said, no, go. I went there. Conference was over. In those days, we didn't have, you know, cell phones and things like that. So I crossed the Atlantic, came down to Washington, Dallas, landed there. My friend came to pick me up and he had a Polaroid picture of my daughter saying, wow. you have a new family member. <laughs> and, uh, you know... When I that when you think of that situation when she was alone uh, there at the uh, the night that she had her water broke, she called her friend because there was two people who was going to help her in mm-hmm. case of an emergency. Mm-hmm. When she called her friend, the friend at, at four o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah, I waited until it was like I was about to uh, deliver. So I called her and she's a nurse and she had just finished her shift and she was sleeping. So I called her and said, hey, I think I need to go to the hospital. And she said, I, I said, this is Lena. And she said, who Lena? I mean, I, I need to, I need my sleep. And she put the phone down. She, I mean, she, it's four <laughs> o'clock in the morning. So she picks up the phone she says who Lena and she didn't understand in the sleep she hung up wow and then she woke up I think and by this time she called another another friend Uh and she said and it was storming that morning it was um, high winds and heavy rains and so I called another friend and she said okay hold on I'll be there in 15 minutes. I said, great. She came in. I had the kids ready. I had their bags to go around. And meanwhile, this friend finally must have realized that, oh, I had given word that I would help. So she called me and said, hey, I'm so sorry. I was asleep in my sleep. I said that, but I'm heading over too. So it was good. They came together like at the perfect time. She, I handed my kids over to her and this other friend, um, she took me on she the, put some you know uh, towels and, and things she on took the, me over to the hospital on yeah. the and for the glory car. of god i think that was my fastest fastest um uh, delivery i would say i went in there and the nurse said oh it will take some time just relax and in five i said no the baby is coming and she ran in and she checked she said quickly took me to look to the delivery room and i delivered probably within 15 to 20 minutes. Um, And, you know, we named her Joy Ruth because uh, the words joy spell out Jesus first, others next, and yourselves last. Beautiful. So we have tried to do that all our lives, to serve God and to put God first above everything. Even naming children that way where we would um, 
from our life experiences, life experiences. From what God taught yeah, us. It has yeah. been wonderful. It's and, so beautiful. And even, for example, when uh, I'm in India or something, it's not that dad is gone, so there is no prayer. There will be prayer at home. She would call me to India, put me on speakerphone, and uh, say that, why don't you pray? Mm. Kids are going to school. So we had that practice of reading the word, praying, and we never had a fear in our heart that wh- how will things be? Because there was a, uh, his yoke is easy, yeah. you know, I mean, and we knew that he is shouldering things along with us and taking care of us. So we never panicked and worried about things like that. Uh, yes. It was always in God's hand. If God wants to do it, he will do it. If not, he has some other ways to get it done. So that trust in him became so strong over the years in our life to see that, you know. And now to see the children having that kind of an experience in life. And, uh, you know, my oldest two is married. The youngest one is going to get married in uh, July. So my daughter calls me and says, Dad, how are, how are you going to take care of things? God will provide. And she has seen those things. For example, uh, when she was doing her high school final year essay, is that right? What is your future going to be? Where are you going to college? What is, uh, and uh, how will you pay for your college? So the uh, teacher wanted to know what is the parent's plan. So I'm in India. She calls me and she says, Dad, what should I write there? Do you have any plan? I said, just say that. We, we live by faith. She said, I cannot write that, Dad. This is school paper. I said, no, if you cannot, God will provide. She said, Dad, seriously, what is the college plan you have? Uh-huh. I said, if you cannot write anything, just put a finger like this saying that God will, I mean, he knows. He's he will pointing to the sky. sky uh-huh. Yeah, saying that he, he will provide. And finally, she just wrote. And in the class, when she read the essay, the, the teacher asked, Seriously, your dad has no plans? But I want to tell you, when you look back, I remember taking her to, I mean, she wanted, I wanted her to go to Liberty University because that's where full scholarship. scholarship. We know the uh, provost. And in those days, we were very, I mean, I would take teams from Liberty and things. And the relationship was so good that when I see them, they will always ask, even Dr. Wilmington or uh, Dr. Ron Godwin, who was a provost, you're sending your daughter here. You're sending, and I would say yes. But here, Faith out of the, her name is Faith Hannah. So she says, Dad, God is giving me this clear thing that I need to go to Cedarville University. I said, where is Cedarville? We don't know where Cedarville is. She says it is in Ohio. So I said, okay, if that's where God wants you, we will go there. Say, didn't say much. And then through the internet, you know, people are writing like church friends. Mr. Matthews, take your daughter to see the university. I thought, she's going there. I don't have to go because I don't have time, you know. Then finally we took her there to, you know, college, to tour this yeah. college. Yes. And that's what my parents do. We didn't go for many, any other, just the Cedarville one, because she said, God told me there. I said, that's fine. Then we are not going any any place else. And she hasn't even seen the university. And she feels in her heart that this is where God wants her to go. When we went there, the day we were just touring that place, I mean, how the registrar takes you around to show the school. And while we were walking down, the lady who was taking us said that, Faith, when you come here, do you have any plans to work anywhere? She said, no. Would you be interested in working in the 
registration admissions office. Lovely, lovely. <laughs> and we finished the tour even before she stepped onto the campus, campus. She was offered a job. She was offered a job. So we knew God was in control. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> like your engagement. <laughs> yes. The Lord has been leading you and uh, you being in the way he has led you. And I, I see so many lovely themes of that faith. And uh, it says uh, in Ephesians, uh, be not drunk with wine, for yes. that is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And sometimes I think that um, just like a drunk looks silly to a sober person, a Christian who is walking in the Spirit can look silly even to other Christians who aren't walking in the Holy Spirit. And so when we obey the Lord, we don't do it for the applause of men or women. We do it for, for our love and devotion to Christ. You have been listening to The Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Due to concerns regarding COVID-19, we will not have a worship service today at our location on Collins Avenue. Instead, we will be streaming our service online this morning at 10.30 a.m., You can gain access to this service at www.calvarybible.org.bs or you can find us at CBC Body on Facebook. Our stream will also be held there. We encourage your comments and you can write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N-1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs the Savior.